Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It is 10 to 8 on December the 6th, 2006. Thank you so much to the gentleman who suggested that a good present to get your humble host for Christmas would be an in, uh, an in-dash calendar. I think that would be excellent. Uh, and that would actually raise the chances, I think, of me getting the, uh, the date right by about 20 to 25 percent. So uh, it would be... Uh, uh, it would be useful. <laughs> so I hope you're doing well. It's interesting, you know, in the great aftermath of the prostitution debate, the board uh, has not gone quiet in that people aren't posting. But there has been a um, a pullback in the, um, the uh, level of uh, emotional energy on the board. And I think that's actually probably quite a good thing. I think that uh, there's a, a gentleman who posted this morning. I checked just while I was brushing my teeth. And uh, unless I was from Alabama, in which case I'd be brushing my tooth. But um, this gentleman uh, uh, said, you know, I don't get to see. I mean, prostitution. I mean, what, what, I mean, what about people who end up uh, taking the garbage out? What about people who end up being janitors and cleaning toilets? I mean, aren't you exploiting them as well? And why is it only that prostitutes get positive rights and so on? Well, I mean, and I'm not going to reopen the debate. I just sort of wanted to mention that... Um, the free market, like, let's just say that the idea that I put forward in the third podcast on prostitution, that the question at the moment, especially for the people who are writing in from the, um, the, the countries where prostitution is illegal, the sort of central issue at the moment is that prostitution is illegal, and therefore you do not know who is being abused and who's been terrorized and kidnapped and who's, you know, you just, you have no idea. You can't, because it's, you know, it's in the same way that because drugs are illegal, we have no idea, you have no idea when you buy a drug, you have no idea what the quality of that drug is, and no idea whatsoever. I mean, maybe you have some idea if you've had a long-term relationship with a dealer or something, but the fact is at the moment that prostitution is illegal, and that removes an enormous amount of, and, and nobody sort of mentioned that. Everyone's like, well, prostitution is legal, or should be legal, and isn't wrong, and so on. But the fact is that right now it is illegal, and therefore there are consequences to that illegality, mostly to do with the exploitation of the people who work in that illegal industry, right? And so uh, that uh, that sort of basic fact is there, and if there are people in some <laughs> parallel universe who want to go to prostitutes and pay for sex and who have high self-esteem, despite the fact that there are many people out there who will have sex with you without without uh, uh, you having to pay them and without them having to have pimps and so on. If there was a desire for sort of honorable prostitution, then, of course, what would happen is that you would end up with a, uh, um, uh, a third party. Uh, if there was a desire for this, like if people genuinely respected the fact or the problem that you can never know when you go to a prostitute, certainly when it's illegal, and I would also imagine when it's not illegal, whether or not she's there because of a history of abuse, you would say if there was a demand for such a service that would certify, that would put the um, the prostitutes through uh, uh, through counseling to find out if they had any uh, history of abuse that was causing them problems in the present, and through this process of counseling them, they would find out whether or not they were there because of, uh, you know, because they were the leftovers of child rape. And then they would, you know, give them, put their names in a database. Yes, they've gone through 10 counseling sessions, and yes, that's raised their prices. 
But so what, right? I mean, uh, uh, the price of aspirin is higher because they make sure that there isn't broken glass in it, and people find that to be a valuable thing. So the cost doesn't really matter if it's a quality that people are willing to pay for. So that sort of fact would simply be, um, uh, or that uh, approach would simply be taken in the free market. And somebody posted on the board this morning to say, well, uh, why is it that only these particular groups of people have... Uh, um, uh, are uh, are protected. He said, why is it that only for this group of workers does Steph want positive rights? I'm not sure exactly what he means by positive rights, but uh, I certainly have never suggested that. Prostitution should be legal, uh, and uh, it is a crime that does not involve violence on the part of the John. He is at the moment exploiting the violence that is... Uh, the, he is exploiting the general attack uh, in the same way that a slave owner... Uh, who is not the guy who's out whipping the slaves if they don't work hard enough, but is simply sipping his tea in his room. Uh, he, uh, um, he is not the one who is inflicting direct violence against them, uh, and so on, which, of course, is not to equate slavery with prostitution or say that slavery should be legal or anything like that. But um, the John is not the person who is uh, attacking the prostitutes directly. Uh, he is simply exploiting the fact that other people are attacking and enslaving them all the way, especially when it's illegal from the cops or the pimps, but uh, even where it's legal, this does seem to be an issue. So uh, I've never suggested that there should be positive rights. And, you know, I just, uh, this is just a, um, a matter of introspection. I mean, I, I, there could be a long argument that I could get into about this, but I'm a tad weary of the topic, so forgive me uh, for saying this. But um, uh, just, just sort of imagine this, right? Imagine, imagine this. I imagine uh, if somebody uh, is... Um, uh, somebody captures you and, uh, and puts you in a basement and you're sort of like a Woody, a Woody Allen size or style of, of human being, like you're not the biggest guy in the world and so on. And, you know, uh, you don't know why you're there. And then the guy comes down the stairs and says uh, uh, he's, um, uh, I don't know, he's like huge, right? He's like bouncer, New York club bouncer style huge. Uh, one of these sort of man-meat-mountains kind of guys, twice your size, and uh, you're like, you know, I don't know, 125 of <laughs> of sinew, and he's 250 of muscle. And uh, he says, well, you've got one of two choices, my friend. You can uh, uh, either spread them, and I'm going to rape you, or you can clean my toilet. One of the two, and you can go. Uh, i got to tell you, I can't really imagine... And, of course, they say, if you clean my toilet, uh, I'm going to give you rubber gloves. Uh, I'm going to give you a mask. Uh, I'm going to give you industrial cleaning solvents. I'm going to let you clean yourself up afterwards. But it's one of the two. Either I rape you and throw you out on the street, or you clean my toilets and I throw you out on the street, right? This is just a matter of introspection. I mean, if, I, if that doesn't do it for you, no argument will, right? If you don't sort of get which you would choose... Uh, it's the same thing sort of with any service industry that's got an unpleasant task ahead of it, right? Um, there's no violation of your person if you're cleaning a toilet, right? I mean, there is a violation of your person if you are raped. And, uh, again, that's not to equate going to a prostitute with rape. I'm not even going to get into the subtle shadings of that argument because, for me, it's a big, long, gray area. But uh, certainly it is the case that uh, um, uh, the cleaning somebody's toilet is not the same as having sex with them, right? I mean, if I can't convince you of that uh, as a man or a woman, if rape, if you would choose rape over cleaning somebody's toilet, uh, then, uh, well, 
I can't really. I, I mean, I could go through a long and involved argument about it, but it wouldn't matter, right? I mean, it wouldn't. I wouldn't sort of waste both of our time. Uh, we would just have to agree to disagree on this one, uh, because I, I can't argue with people who would choose uh, getting raped over cleaning somebody's toilet. So there is quite a bit of difference between sexual penetration and uh, you know cleaning a toilet. Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't sort of view that as the same. Now, where I do agree with that argument or approach is that, you know, not that this means it's any right or wrong, it's just sort of my particular opinion, is that uh, I think that people who have any kind of ability, who end up in really low-rent jobs, do come from a history of abuse. So... Um, if you, uh, was some, there was some movie with Jack Nicholson where he plays a guy who's a brilliant concert pianist and so on, but he also, uh, what he does is he slums around working on oil rigs with a, um, a pretty dull woman, a pretty dumb woman. And there's a famous scene, five easy pieces. There's fa- this is the famous scene where he's, like, he's in a restaurant and he orders toast and she says, you can't get toast, right? And he's like, well, uh, what do you mean you can't get toast? Like, uh, he's like, well, you don't make toast. He's like, well, I tell you what, why didn't you do this? Do you make chicken sandwich? Yeah. He's like, okay, I want a chicken sandwich. I want you to hold the chicken. Yeah. Hold the lettuce. Yeah. Hold the mayo. Yeah. Hold the tomato. Yeah. What do you got? Just bread. Great. Bring me that. <laughs> it's a, uh, uh, it's a funny scene, but uh, and it's a sort of heartbreaking film because you see somebody who's got a high degree of, uh, uh, of uh, ability who is. Uh, squandering it in a way, right? He's just uh, doing low-rent jobs and so on. I mean, low-rent relative to his ability. And that person, uh, without a doubt, you don't uh, end up that way unless you come from some sort of history of um, uh, of, uh, of bad parenting to whatever degree, right? So is that exploitation? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say so. Um, I think that uh, generally... What, what is the case? It's you, you're not responsible for the people who come into your life, but you have some non-coercive degree of moral responsibility for how they exit from your orbit, right? Or how they are treated when they're in your orbit. I've always been pretty sensitive to this as a manager. So I'm not responsible for the emotional state of the people that I interview, right? So if some guy's staring at the carpet and mumbling and is embarrassed to be there, then of course I know he's not been respected by his parents or his teachers, mostly his parents, or he's had some brutal sibling or something like that who sort of crushed the life out of him and, and so on. And I'm not responsible for that. I didn't, I didn't create that. I didn't do that to him. Now, if, uh, if I end up saying, uh, yeah, I'll give you a job, but for half the pay of everyone else because I think he's got really low self-esteem, well, of course the problem is that uh, in the uh, in the free market, it doesn't really work out too well to underpay people significantly. I mean, just because, I mean, somebody who's going to accept a significant amount of low pay is not going to be a self-starter, right? You want somebody who's going to be able to make decisions and evaluate things on their own, and this is true for just about any job you hire someone for. And if they're willing to accept really, really low pay, uh, I'm paying normally 40K, I'll offer you 20K, and the guy says, okay, you know, because he's, you know, he's got no willpower then he's going to be inert. He's going to be one of these people who's going to be like a, um, you know, a brick on a table, right? You push that person, and then you stop pushing, and then he stops, and then you go back and you say, well, what's happening with this? And I've had, uh, I had an employee once who was going through just an unbelievable divorce, 
and uh, he had no intellectual energy available for his um, uh, sorry he wasn't going through a divorce uh, I sort of found out later his marriage was in serious trouble for, for a variety of reasons that aren't important right now and may never be important to anyone else but this guy was absolutely inert like he would uh, he would literally stare at his screen uh, uh, he had no intellectual energy available for his job and uh, so uh, unfortunately I mean as a business I sort of suggested he get counseling and I talked to him for a little bit but uh, this was not something that we could sustain because we were a small company and you know you can't carry people and so on but if I had uh, so so that person you could pay less but you'd also just get less out of them right you want somebody who's going to proactively negotiate for a better wage because that means that they're going to be sensitive to their own self-interest that they're not afraid to negotiate that they're not afraid to push back which is important especially in the realm of programming right somebody from marketing hands them uh, a list of things that they want that their clients want done or somebody from sales says I need this done so I can close a sale you want someone who's gonna say no I don't see how that's gonna work let's bring it to the CTO and see what the deal is right you don't want somebody who's just going to sort of nod and smile and, you know, stick it in a growing pile of paper and not do anything about it, right? That would be the actions of an insecure person, and that's going to cause you a hell of a lot of problems, right? So so you're not responsible for the state of the souls of the people who come into your life, but you are responsible for the degree to which you nurture that which is best in them as they're part of your life, right? So uh, I don't think I've had any truly broken souls come into my orbit. No, one guy. One guy uh, who uh, who I hired, um, who actually came out of a theater background like myself, and so we had a real debate about this guy. He seemed a bit uh, hyper, but was obviously very creative, and since so it had a bias because that was my background, and it worked out for the company for, for to have me there. So, well, worked out for the company, <laughs> co-founded the company, so I was going to be there anyway. But um, that guy turned out to be a complete disaster because he had uh, he was sexually inappropriate, and uh, his uh, his wife left him like two weeks after he got the job, and oh, just a complete mess. He didn't even make it through the first uh, through the first three weeks. But um, uh, so y yeah, there are risks and all this. But what you do have a responsibility for is how do people leave your orbit, right? Do they leave? your orbit stronger and uh, wiser and do you treat them with respect and firing somebody who's acting inappropriately after talking about things with them is in fact treating them with respect uh, which I sort of it's a complicated argument but uh, it is uh, you don't encourage that which is the worst in people right you uh, you uh, you stand strong against that which is the worst in people and you uh, you outright reject it and then what you do is you encourage them and if they're able to take it at that time great if not and it's not economically or or personally productive for you to sort of hang out with them as an employee or friends or lover or whatever then you don't uh, you don't do that right you don't reinforce the bad behavior with your continued presence and resources but you leave them with enough nuggets of uh, of why it occurred so that in the future they can um uh, they they can sort of maybe remember that, and if they if enough evidence accumulates, I mean, if people just keep getting fired and nobody actually tells them why, then it's harder for them to fix the issue, right? But if people someone gets fired, like if if I get fired and nobody tells me why, and then I sort of do the same thing at the next job, I'm going to end up just getting paranoid because I don't know what the hell's going wrong, right? But if somebody's sort of honest and tells me, well, this is why, well, so first of all, is honest and tells me this is what needs to change, and if I don't end up changing it, tells me this is why. You know, I asked for this, you couldn't give it, so no problem, but, you know, we can't sort of continue our relationship. Then, if that happens a number of times, at least I have an idea why. If I want to change, I have some, some ideas about how to, to go about doing that. So, 
where the, the question is how do you treat people when they're around you, right? So if I hired a janitor who was, you know, obviously a bit of a broken soul, then I treat him, you know, you can treat him with respect. You can treat the waiters with respect. I've actually had a, I was on a date with my wife about a year ago and I was, you know, please and thank you to the waiter. And the waiter just sort of uh, stood before me at the end of the meal and he said, you know, you are like the most positive and polite person I think I've ever had uh, as a customer. You know, you've always asked politely. You've always said thanks. Uh, you've always appreciated the service. And he said, you know, I can't tell you how rare that is and blah, blah, blah. And in a small way, I mean, I try to do this everywhere uh, I go, right? I mean, I try to give a laugh to people or make their day a little happier with a little joke or something like that, right? So I was at the gym last night with Christina and... Uh, I was starting to use a machine, and the guy said, oh, no, no, I have to wipe that down, right? So he got a, uh, a bunch of paper towels with the, uh, the spritz cleaner, and he wiped it down. And uh, so I turned to him, I stretched my arms out, and I said, if you could do me a little, that would be fantastic. And uh, he laughed, right? And, and that's not, I mean, you don't have to do anything like that, but it's not a bad thing. You know, when the woman comes in to clean out my garbage uh, at the end of the day at work, I like to say thank you very much, right? And uh, I'll hold the door open for her if I'm leaving and she's got that big cut. Uh, just because in, in a little way you can put uh, a tiny, I mean, this woman's life is obviously not the best, but at least uh, somebody can show her a little bit of respect from time to time. And this kind of stuff I think is quite important. As I've mentioned before, philosophy is also about the little details as well as the big fights. And uh, virtue is also about the uh, uh, the minor things uh, which build to the major things, right? Uh, r real virtue is an accumulation of mostly small habits, um, mostly small decisions, right? Uh, by the time we end up with the big decisions, uh, we want to have had all the small decisions in the right way so that we have the strength and habit and, and so on uh, to, to make the right decision. But uh, it's sort of like health, right? I mean, you want to you wanna exercise so you don't want to survive the heart attack, right? You want to have the exercise and eat well so you don't have the heart attack, at least not till you're 100. So from that standpoint, uh, no, uh, it's not exploitive to hire somebody who's come from a bad background with the recognition that you're not going to get quite as much economic productivity as uh, somebody who's more, uh, more of a self-starter. So it is only going to be in those jobs where self, being a self-starter is not really a valid kind of uh, uh, thing. Uh, you know, maybe like a janitor, I don't know, just go go around and do this. I mean, I did that job, uh, as I said, mentioned before, I've cleaned, uh, I cleaned uh, offices at night when I was a teenager uh, after uh, my brother and I kicked my mom out so that we could have, I was working like two or three jobs at that point, uh, as well as going to school because we needed, well, kind of money, right? Child labor, right? It's the wrong, it's wrong. Well, it sure beats having a bad parent around. But um, uh, it's still... It's still important that you treat that person with respect, right? Even if you've hired them to clean your toilets. It's still important that you treat that person with respect. And if you find out that they're like a nasty person to have around, then you, you can, uh, depending on your judgment, either talk to them or just discontinue the relationship. But I think that it is uh, important so that they see that they can be treated well, right? Just just in a sort of binder way. You, you, you just need one example against to break a theory. So if there is a constant refrain running around in their head that I'm bad and nobody treats me well, then if some one person treats you well, then, I mean, I'm not going to say that's going to change everything, but it certainly is a heck of a lot better than not treating them well. Uh, and it certainly opens up a door, like it unlocks the door to, to uh, a different kind of way of looking at yourself. And of course, they may end up taking 10 years to walk through it, but at least there's a click. 
that they hear, which is a countervailing example of how they're treated. So, uh, and I would say that uh, you simply can't, uh, you can't treat someone well by banging them for money, right? I mean, it's sort of where, like, you simply can't do that, right? You simply can't do that. It's like saying, I want to pay someone, I want to stick their head in the toilet, uh, but I want to do it respectfully, right? I mean, that's just not going to have, the very act is disrespectful to the soul of another human being, so... So I wanted to sort of mention that. I guess it's more than a mention. And now we move on to the topic of the morning. The topic of the morning is just, I sort of figured out last night, and it's kind of obvious, and maybe everyone else has already thought of this, but I thought I'd throw it out there anyway, uh, because it was a clarifying moment for me. I was sort of wondering why a political theory just irritates me so, so much. Oh, I can't even tell you. Like, it just makes me so angry. <laughs> Marvin the Martian could use some work. But um, it just, it makes me so angry, this uh, political theory. Just just the way people say, well, we need the government to do this, or the government should do that, or we should allocate. Like I was listening to Bill Moyer, I was listening to one of his books, and he's talking about how we can deal with the whole problem of security. We just get 10,000 people, we pay them 100,000 a year, who are expert professionals, who know what to look for, uh, like uh, the people at Ben-Gurion Airport in Israel, and, and so on, right? And it's like, it's only a billion dollars, and this and that, right? I mean... It's just, oh my God, it's so freaking lazy. That's sort of what it is that, that I realized last night that bothers me so much about it. It's so freaking lazy. You know the kind of laziness that occurs when uh, somebody just does an ad hominem attack? You know, like you, you've, you know, I've spent 20 years or more than 20 years now coming up with theories about how society could work with minimal or absent government, and it's been a hell of a lot of hard work, right? And, uh, I mean, what you guys get is a tenth of a tenth of what I've sort of worked out on paper over the years. So uh, I guess that's, this is, believe it or not, this 550 podcast is a filter. I mean, that's shocking, I know, but still, uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, it may seem like a tsunami, but there's a bigger tsunami that, that this is just the aftershock of. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a lot of work, but then when somebody says, you know, uh, oh, so... Uh, you know, oh, so basically you just want civil war, right? <laughs> you know, somebody comes out, it's lazy, right? It's incredibly lazy uh, for somebody to do that. And they do that for a variety of reasons we've talked about before, that it's not just that they're lazy, it's basically because the argument disturbs them, but they have never been taught how to reason. But um, it's just as incredibly lazy. And you know, I'm not saying anybody has to expend one joule of energy uh, rebutting anything that I put forward, but if they're going to take the time to read the article and write me and so on, then obviously they're willing to expend some energy, so then, you know, it's sort of lazy and vaguely insulting to sort of get that kind of stuff coming out of, of what it is that they're, uh, they're saying. And so that kind of laziness I find sort of irritating. To me, it's a little bit less irritating because people mostly just aren't taught how to reason and families operate almost exclusively uh, I mean, families are just one biological bundle of logical fallacies, right? I mean, if you go back through, uh, or if you li haven't listened to when you get to them, of course you've gotten to them, I guess, unless you're really cherry-picking. Hang on one sec, coffee time. When you get to, um, uh, to the logical fallacies, or after you've gotten to the logical fallacies one, every single one of those is a family argument, like without a doubt. Those families are just wildly spinning biological attack dogs of logical fallacies. There's no question of any of that. I mean, it's all that families do. Every family debate that I ever had ended up in this kind of mess. There's kind of shrieky nonsense where uh, people just end up um, getting angry rather than, uh, and, and, you know, without reason, right? <laughs> getting angry and there's no rationality involved. But, um, 
the uh, so uh, that kind of laziness really bothers me. But political theory laziness is just oh, it's way way out there as far as what bothers me. And so you know the fact that it bothers me doesn't mean anything. But this is sort of what I thought about. Maybe it makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't. This this uh, is sort of what I got out of it. That it's just so goddamn lazy. You know, basically it's like well we've got these big complex problems like like environmentalism, uh, you know, which, you know, hey, let's, uh, I know the environment's getting better and I have a pretty big skeptic about global warming, but there are, you know, issues of, of uh, air and water pollution and so on. And the complex problems like that, complex problems like uh, child abuse, complex problems like uh, how to allocate resources in society and poverty and education and all these kinds of things, right? All of these big complex issues that uh, you need to at least have a framework in which to be solved, I would say. Like, I mean, these are things that you at least need to have a passing nod to when it comes to here's how society could work rather than how it is now, which is not working. And the solution that uh, people who are interested in political theory come up with is absolutely horrible. The solution is so incredibly lazy. When you peel away all of the nonsense and the rhetoric and the language and the, the, the degrees and, and this and the, the Michael Ignatia from, from Harvard kind of nonsense, <laughs> really all you end up with is, let's give a bunch of people some guns. I mean, literally, it's like, let's arm a small but dedicated and hopefully virtuous mob and hope that, that something right occurs <laughs> out of that. That's really, I mean, as far as I can sort of see, and I've tried approaching this question from a number of different angles, that's really all it comes to, right? And people say there ought to be a law, there ought to be an agency, or the government should do this, or the government should do that. Basically, all they're saying is let's arm a whole bunch of people and give them a wish list and hope it, and, and hope it, works, <laughs> and hope it works out. I mean, that's really uh, the situation. It's sort of like if you're a farmer and you say, gee, I really need to get my fields plowed. And uh, someone would have come up to you and say, you know, there's a bunch of migrant workers uh, with no documentation uh, lounging around under that uh, cicacia tree. I think what we should do is give them a whole bunch of guns and money and a list that says, here's how I want my fields plowed. And that's how it's going to work. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? So if you want to, uh, you know, maybe you're some, uh, some group, you want to clean up a ghetto, uh, as a whatever, some whatever racial ghetto we're talking about, right? You want to clean up the ghetto. You want to sort of get rid of all the, the burning cars and the oil drums that are, you know, cracked and broken and possibly burning too. And you want to sort of clean up the graffiti and you want to fix the broken windows and so on, right? Are you necessarily going to go to, you know, the local uh, uh, baggy pants hoodlums give them a whole bunch of money and guns and a list of what needs to be done and say, great, I've solved, <laughs> I've solved the problem. Because, ah. <laughs> I mean, that's really what's occurring when somebody says that there's a, go I mean, that there's a government that needs to be done. Oh, yeah, the hoodlums are all in white, uh, in suits and jackets, of course, which is what makes them uh, much more dangerous than the street thugs, right? I mean, because they have legitimacy and they have sort of, quote, moral authority and so on. But really, that's uh, that's what the solution is. And, uh, of course, now it's gotten to the point where, uh, you know, the government is sort of fundamentally centered around weapons of mass destruction. I mean, that's that's why there's no civilian revolt when it comes to taxes that high. I mean, the government is centered around weapons of mass destruction. If the government only had six shooters, then there would be a whole lot of people who would uh, probably take on the IRS, right? I mean, that, and we know that throughout history. I mean, that's exactly how... 
the uh, revolution occurred in America was people took on people who were armed to a similar degree, right? But now, of course, you know, right? I mean, I'm not saying anyone should, but you know that if you were to, uh, you know, shoot a cop coming to collect your taxes, that the next thing that would come is, you know, uh, 50 guys, and there would be attack helicopters if you held out then, and then there'd be scuds, and then there'd be, you know, there would just, you would not be able to, uh, uh, you can't sustain yourself against the violence that the government can bring to bear, right? The government is, the power is centered around weapons of mass destruction relative to the um, population. I'm not saying they're going to nuke a non-compliant taxpayer, but, uh, of course, that uh, that is the final argument, right? I mean, if the state were to secede, then uh, the um, uh, the federal government would... Uh, would come in and uh, and would uh, would occupy. I mean, no question, right? No question. They're not going to allow secession. They'll come in and they'll occupy. And if people shoot back, then they'll they'll bring in. They'll start raining scuds down. And if people find a way to deflect the scuds, they'll. I mean, at some point, it would escalate to that. It li- it's likely. I'm not positive. Maybe maybe that would be the sort of part that. But definitely, it's the disparity of power that will cause that kind of compliance. And so it's even more uh, it's even more ridiculous than just giving people a bunch of guns and money. Um, it's uh, maybe it's the equivalence of saying um, that um, I mean if the if the town is wild you know the wild west town the solution is always for the sheriff to shoot people right but um, uh, really what people are talking about when they talk about the government is let's disarm all the citizens and give the guns and the money. Uh, to whoever wants them the most, right? And of course, the people who want them the most, who want guns and money and power, uh, are not the healthiest of people, right? So, I mean, it's not like uh, this sort of fantasy Gary Cooper virtuous uh, guy. What was it in High Noon? He's like riding away with his new bride, but he decides to go back and get the crap shot out of him, which is, you know, what would happen. I mean, in real life, I mean, this gunfight at the OK Corral is a nice fantasy, but uh, people people don't do that unless they're homicidal, right? I mean, people don't sort of say, hey, I could ride away, but I'm going to go back and get into a shootout with these bad guys, uh, and uh, that's not a healthy uh, healthy decision <laughs> to make, right? Um, so those those sort of people don't exist. There's a reason why that uh, only occurs in the movies. But uh, it is, uh, it, you know, let's widen the disparity between those in power and those not in power by giving those in power more money and guns, and let's disarm those who aren't in power so basically, let's just give, a, give people a whole bunch of weapons, let's disarm a whole bunch of other people, and we'll write down a mandate with the hopes that giving people all these guns is going to solve the problem. And that's just a fundamentally funny idea. I mean, it's a fundamentally funny, ridiculous, pathetic, lazy, stupid, slavish, uh, licking the boots of power kind of idea. And boy, it would be nice if uh, people got out of that habit, or at least pointed the habit out, right? So you know, this is something that you might... You might want to, uh, right? You might want to sort of play around with if you're arguing with a statist. You might. I mean, maybe it would be helpful. So the statist says, "Well, we need the government to do X, Y, and Z, right?" So it's like, okay. Uh, so I think I understand it. So your solution is we give a bunch of people a bunch of guns and money, and we write down what we want them to do, um, and then we hope that they do it, right? So this is the public school, right? Well, we got to have public schools. It's like, okay. And so your solution to the question of education is to give people a whole bunch of uh, weapons of mass destruction and a whole bunch of money and a mandate that you've written down that you you hope that they'll follow. And uh, they're going to say, well, no, this, you know, I, I want to provide education for the poor. It's like, well, I, I, let's say that you do, right? I mean, I have no problem with that. Let's say that you do. Well, um, 
the way in which you're going to provide education to the poor is you're going to give the whole uh, the, the the government a, a bunch of people a whole bunch of money and guns, and you know you're going to say use this uh, to uh, uh, to educate children, right? And then uh, the power passes completely from your hands, right? So once you've handed over the money and guns and disarmed everybody else, then you have no way really of of influencing uh, the government, right? You have no way of controlling that sort of stuff, right? So, from that standpoint, uh, it, it becomes a pretty ridiculous argument, right? I mean, obviously, it becomes a pretty ridiculous argument. You know, we need, uh, uh, everyone's got to have health insurance, right? So, we need uh, government-run health care programs, right? It's like, okay, so your problem, uh, so your solution to the complex problems of how to allocate health resources is to give a bunch of people a bunch of guns uh, and, and money and, uh, and hope that they do the right thing. And, of course, if they don't do the right thing, what are you going to do? Right, because that's sort of uh, that's another question which is important to ask people who like this sort of guns and money to to a thug's solution to complex problems. You know, it's sort of like uh, I don't know whose physics theory is right. Let's just arm one guy to the teeth and uh, say that uh, he should figure out the right physics theory, and he's not a physicist. Um, that would not be uh, a particularly. I mean, that's not how they solve problems in refereed journals, right? For instance, they don't sort of say. Well, I don't know whose theory is right, but let's just arm one guy, uh, and uh, he will then figure out which theory is the right one, and we'll publish that. That's not a, it's not a shootout situation when it comes to figuring out right theories of physics, right? Much less important than things like educating the young and providing health care. But really, that's all it comes down to. Let's give a bunch of people a bunch of guns and money and uh, hope that they do the right thing. And then the question to ask is, well, what if they don't? So what happens is that um, when somebody says we need public education, and be like, okay, well, let's assume uh, that uh, that uh, <laughs> you can set it all up. You give all of the people the guns and the money to get things done. You give them the mandate. But let's just say they don't follow the mandate. You know, as people who are really interested in guns, money, and power uh, tend not to be that receptive to people's requests, right? They tend not to be interested in win-win negotiations because... If they were interested in win-win negotiations, they would have distinctly less interest in guns, money, and power, right? I mean, that's, that's you know, guns, money, and power. Government's not interested in negotiation and win-win because people in the government, if they were interested in negotiation and win-win, they would not be drawn to the government. That's just an absolutely guaranteed uh, basic psychological fact. So the people who rush forward to, gra- to grab the guns, money, and power are probably not, actually I would say definitely not, the people who are going to end up being very concerned with creating positive situations for others, right? The people who are rushing forward the fastest and elbowing other people out of the way to get a hold of the guns, money, and power are not the people who are going to be particularly stable, positive, wise, and virtuous when it comes to the exercise of that. Because, of course, the question is, why would you want it to begin with, right? Why would you, what the hell is the matter with you that you would want this kind of power to begin with, right? I mean, you have no problem talking about the corruption that is involved in... Um, uh, in uh, in po- politics, but of course the corruption involved in prostitution. Well, that's a different matter. But um, uh, of course, what happens then if if they don't? Right. So you say, okay, well, so public uh, public education needs to be provided by government, or it's like, okay, but what happens if uh, uh, what happens if it doesn't get uh, provided? Uh, oh, well, we need the government to provide public education. Okay, let's say that we accept that, and then we give government all the guns and the money and the power to uh, create whatever kind of public education it feels like. Um, and then people say, well, 
yeah, but they are providing public education. You can't say they don't care about it at all. It's like, well, of course they care about it, right? People in power very much care about educating the young, right? That's how they stay in power. Right? They, don't, they don't care about educating. They care about indoctrination, right? I mean, that's all the public schools are about, indoctrination and boredom and making you feel small, right? That's, that's really all that, um, all that it's about, right? It's a massive training pen on how to stay inside the electric fence and pretend that there is no electric fence and you're, all, you're free, right? I mean, that's, that's really all that uh, public education is about. So, yeah, they do absolutely care about indoctrinating the young uh, in the virtues of democracy and the wisdom of the leaders and how wonderful and free they are and how patriotism is a great virtue and, and so on and how, how the soldiers are heroes and so on. I mean, the police are your friends. Uh, of course, absolutely, totally uh, they're into that, right? No question, right? But that's not the same as educating. It's uh, quite the opposite of educating people. But... Um, uh, I would uh, sort of the question then would ask is well, what happens if um, what happens if uh, it doesn't work out? What, what happens if uh, if they don't provide the kind of education that would be a healthy a healthy thing, a healthy amount of education or the right amount of education? What happens then? So you've already handed over the guns, money, and power, disarmed everybody else, relative right, and everybody. I mean, I know America is like the gun happy capital of the planet, but relative to the government, they're totally disarmed, right? I mean, just look at Waco. Relative to the government, everyone is disarmed. It doesn't matter if you've got an Uzi, right? Relative to the government, you're totally disarmed. You don't have attack helicopters and submarines and, and B-52s and, and uh, bunker buster bombs and nukes and so on. Right? I mean, just everybody's disarmed. But um, the uh, the question, well, what happens? Well, of course, you know, the average idiot says, well, you vote in someone who does do the right thing. Uh, well, what happens if that person doesn't work out? What happens if the only people attracted to power are those who aren't very interested in helping children, right? Which shouldn't be that hard a thing to grasp, but for a status, of course, it uh, it is. But um, what happens, right? What happens if everyone? Well, you know, I don't know. You can have an insurrection, right? <laughs> you know. They, but there's no real answer to what happens if if handing over guns, money, and power to people doesn't doesn't solve the problem. Well, uh, what 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 do you do, right? So of course, if it's a free market, and you say, well. Uh, the the school that's providing education for your child is not doing the right thing, is not doing something that you want, then uh, the solution is dead simple. Well, uh, yank your kid. You know, it's easy peasy, nice and easy, right? I mean, it's uh, it's not that complicated a thing to figure out. If uh, the um, if the uh, if the school isn't providing you what you want, well, it's real easy to figure out what uh, what should happen next, right? You just take your kid to another school, right? It's like saying, what happens if the grocery store doesn't stock the kind of cheese you like? It's like, well, if you want it, you go to another store. It's no biggie, right? It's no complication, no mess, no fuss. But that's not what um, uh, that's not what the status uh, solution does, right? I mean, if the, in the status solution, if you end up not, uh, if the if the gang you give the guns, money, and power to doesn't, and and the list of your wish list, uh, if they don't see fit to provide it in the way that you want it, then uh, it sucks to be you, right? Maybe you'll get a chance to vote for some other gang in four years and give them a wish list but of course I would argue that the wish list is always a fantasy because the people who are attracted to guns, money and power are not attracted to providing win-win solutions uh, for uh, for people So, uh, anyway I hope that that helps I really appreciate you listening it's been a little dry on the donation front so if you're thinking of donating uh, perk up my spirits and pay for some of this stuff I would really appreciate that and uh, I'll talk to you soon